0: It's been a long day. Grab a cold drink and step into the man cave. Your host, J.D. Harris and friends, are getting the discussion together. So it's sure to be an exciting hour of fun and talk. We want to hear from you too, so get ready to speak your mind. We don't judge here. Now your hosts of the man cave, J.D. Harris and friends.
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody? I mean, I get so excited uh, when we go and have our show, especially since we've been kind of doing this Facebook Live deal. Uh, We're seeing a lot of people literally from all around the world. Uh, We have followers right now, Anilakin and Turkey, uh, Marison Turkey, where I spent some time at this year. We got Juju up in Illinois. We have um, Pascal in France. So, I mean, just some of the guys that kind of tune into the show uh, on a weekly basis is pretty awesome to see that you're touching literally multiple con- continents uh, talking sports. Uh, Reese will be in, in a little bit uh, getting everything going. So, yes, Bernadette, this is the can, the, the cave, the man cave. So, anyway, uh, as we go on, it's last week's football game, uh, the college football. Uh, rivalry Week. It was just, it was unreal. Um, I was so amped. I mean, nothing was going to stop me from watching that Ohio State Michigan game. I mean, I felt like I don't know about you, but I felt like that game lived up to the billing. You had two, to me, outside of Nick Saban, two of the best coaches in football at any level right now, um, with Urban Meyer. And with Jim Harbaugh, I mean, and they all have their little interests. They are all kind of different in their own way, unique. Uh, you find Urban seems to be a little bit more approachable. Uh, Jim is kind of quirky. And then you have, you know, Nick Saban, who some people call him Satan, <laughs> you know. Uh, just You have so many different personalities. But going into the game, uh, you could see, you had Peppers who was even touted as one time as being a Heisman candidate. And I really feel like he was probably one of the most unique players going back to like last year, like a Dalen Ramsey, uh, Charles Woodson. I'm not comparing him to Charles Woodson. I think uh, Charles Woodson is in a class of himself, with himself. But I felt like Peppers was a solid dude to come out to me, you know, up before this game. I would say he's a guy that you consider in the top 10 picks, uh, depending on who you are, where you sit at. But then JT Barrett, I mean, he is doing a decent job. Yeah. He's not throwing up Heisman numbers, but they're winning games and they're winning games efficiently. I mean, the Penn state game loss was a shock to everyone, I think, but you could see the maturation of Ohio State for the most part after that loss. And I felt like if you lose with the college football system the way it is now, losing early is always better if you're going to lose. I think losing later, you have a lot of things that can go against you in terms of the rankings and things of that nature. But going back to that Ohio State-Michigan game, it was, to me, a solid game. The game – was play how I thought it would go down. I felt like, you know, this is an overtime scenario, and I felt like it's going to be very physical. Uh, It's always kind of been like that rivalry in the last several years has been that way, and I am a big Buckeye fan. So I wanted to see, you know, were they going to answer the call. Michigan scared me with the exception. I felt like going into the game a little bit more confident in terms for the Buckeyes with the fact that they had Michigan had to play with their back, uh, backup quarterback, which you know, and in reality, those two uh, Sprite and him battled all through the off season, so it wasn't like it was a major step down. And if you know a Jim Harbaugh team, he's going to be prepared no matter who his quarterback is going to be playing. He's going to make sure he adjusts the game accordingly to give uh, his team the best chance to win and not put the pressure on the quarterback to win the game for him. And I think that's where a lot of offenses these days, a lot of them try to center around the quarterback. Like this is the first year probably for Alabama where they've been more where the quarterback has actually won game for them. Uh, Before it was just a position not to, you know, just don't lose the game, make sure everybody's aligned make sure, you know, if there's a minor adjustment, you know, like if you're going to run to the one technique or a three technique, you know, those little things, but and being able to clearly convey the message that the coach is sending. That typically was all that you really had to worry about uh, with a team like uh, Alabama, but Michigan, um, you could see that's what Jim Harbaugh did. He basically took the ball off the hands of a quarterback and, you know, making the guys make plays. I felt like this was more of a defensive game than an offensive game. It wasn't high scoring, and that's the way, I mean, some people will say, oh, it needs to be like 42 to 43. And I don't like those games. I like the games where it's 8 to 10 or something like that, where it's just slamming, you're playing tough football, you're playing fundamental football, and people seem to forget that defense is a part of football, Uh, Some of the greater teams that have won have also had great defenses. So, you know, you don't want to just make it an offensive shootout. And I felt like that Ohio State, on the other hand, I felt like, you know, now that Ezekiel's gone, I mean, obviously the whole season he's gone, but you can see where Ohio State has literally this season was JT Barrett's team. I mean, he had to make checks. And you can see him sometimes going down to his third or fourth uh, check down um, and making those adjustments. And I think it says a lot for him going in with his draft status. But the officiating in the game was really what everybody was talking about. And, you know, it going into overtime and what about people missing kicks and stuff like that, uh, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. But to see that – um, you don't ever want the game to come down to someone that's not playing the game to make a decision. You want it to either you clearly scored or you clearly stopped them. You don't want to feel either way like the official's call was the game-deciding factor. And But like some of the pundits have said, and I agree with this, you know, shame on Michigan for allowing it to be – in the officials' hands. Like, you know, you stop them, guess what? They don't even get that close. Um, And I think that's where a lot of times we forget about football, that those are factors that can change the scope of the game. So um, going into this, you would have liked to have seen more, I guess, more – Huth with even Coach Harbaugh. I know he. the penalty was another thing that kind of put Michigan in a bad set, but at the end of the game, you know, it came down to it. You know, you got to it, find this $10,000 and you got to go and uh, stand up for your people, but it was just a shame that the game had to end like that, but hey, go Ohio State, which is going to leave the Big Ten in an interesting situation this season, or uh, next in the next week or so, in terms of you know um, championship. So with the rankings right now, you have Bama number one, you have Ohio State number two, you have Clemson number three, and you have Washington number four. And so um, and then Wisconsin's number five, and Penn State's number six. And you're gonna you're going probably you're gonna have Wisconsin versus Penn State for the conference championship, and then they're going to decide that's. That's going to be interesting to see how it alters the current rankings. I don't know. Anybody out here that's on Facebook, you guys, anybody got some say or some uh, problems with how it ended up with the rankings? I see a little, a, little be, a few people out here, but nobody has any comments. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I would say that Bama is clearly number one. I think they're head and shoulders above everyone else. I think that Ohio State probably, to me, I think Ohio State probably matches up better with Clemson, better with Bama. And I think that it, at this point in the time in the game and with the people with the rankings, coaching takes a big part of this part of the year. Is, I mean, the players still have to play the game, but here's when you have the best of the best in terms of the minds of coaching and getting guys that have been beat up all year to come and be able to go that extra couple games with this playoff si- system. Um, and I think that right now, I I don't want to see, even though a Wisconsin or Penn State may be the conference win- uh, winner, I don't want to see them or a uh, Colorado or Oklahoma, even though you know Stoops has been there before and he's won it, but I don't think that. First of all, the Big Twelve matches up with the Big Ten this season. I don't think the Pac Ten or Pac Twelve matches up with the Big Ten or uh, SEC this year. So to get those games in, uh, I think the committee, they I would say they were pretty much on target. However, I probably would have put Michigan at number four because here's the issue with the bowl games. They don't – basically, the bowl games are not going to be able to get what they need. You need to have eight teams, like Larnell is saying. Uh, but here's the issue with eight teams. Then you're going to say, well, why aren't the last nine and ten uh, spots on there? And we have Reese on. Reese, are you on? Hey, so what's up, Judy? Hey, what's going on, man? Uh we're, oh, right Not now, too much. We're just
2: leaving the gig. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, so with these rankings, man, what do you think about um the what it scored out at in terms of with the top four?
2: Well, I, I think it uh played out pretty much like I thought it was. Uh, you know, it's gonna be far for the course with uh Michigan dropping out and uh, Washington filling that spot. But, you know, it's too early to really jump to any, any conclusion as to who the Final Four is going to be, because I'm telling you right now, uh, it's going to be some good games this weekend with uh, Clemson and Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech's a good team, and then, you know, Washington playing against a, a very good and, and, I think, underrated Colorado team. So a lot can, uh, a lot can happen uh, by Sunday night.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I agree. Uh, do you think you know with this with the Big Ten championship? I mean, who do do you think two two teams from the Big Ten should be in a, uh, in the playoffs? Well, I I don't think um, I don't have a
2: problem with it. Quite honestly, because you know the rankings are playing out that way. You know, and, and they had help from teams like Louisville and and uh, you know Oklahoma that have. Uh, and Houston also, that have kind of fallen by the wayside a bit, uh, even though Oklahoma's playing, playing pretty decent right now. But, you know, it is what it is with the rankings, and, and this is the system that we have right now, which, you know, you know me. I, I don't like the system anyways, but uh yeah. <clears throat> it, it Hold is. Hold that thought real
1: is. fast, Reese. We're going to come back in a second. Uh, got to take a quick break, uh, but we'll follow up with your thoughts.
3: time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
0: You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to JD Harris at high-intensitysports.com Now, let's get back to the show.
2: Man Cave, this is Maurice Perry sitting in with J.D. Harris today and we're just talking a little college football and the rankings and the we want to talk about the games uh, this past weekend and specifically the Michigan-Ohio State game, which I believe is was the marquee game of the weekend and Jay, what did you think about it?
1: Oh well, before you called in, I was I already t- gave my opinion of it. I wanted to hear yours.
2: Oh, you want to hear my opinion?
1: Okay, absolutely. Uh, it was a
3: good game.
2: It was a it was a very uh, I don't know uh, pins and needles type of game. But one thing that kind of stood out to me was JT Barrett is not a great quarterback. Uh, plain and simple, and I think that. For, them, for Ohio State to be successful, he almost has to run more than he has to pass. And, and, and I believe that you saw them making a more concerted effort in the second half to get him you know, opportunities to run uh, create space for them, and then that in turn, you know, open up the passing lanes for them. But right now, you know, Ohio State is not a good passing team. They have a great so, defense, and I believe that defense can keep keep them in games. But in terms of scoring points and, and being involved in the shootout, I don't know.
1: How many? How much of that do you think attributes to having such a young team? Like they have 44 Did you see that thing where Michigan played forty-four seniors? and Ohio State have 44 underclassmen
2: or freshmen? Yeah, I, I think that does play a part, and I, I believe that, you know, as a, as a collective, this group is probably one year away from being, you know, the team, you know, the marquee team uh, in college football. Of course, this year is, is Alabama, but uh, with that being said, you know, JT there is is a seasoned vet. And there are a couple of throws that I saw, even though he was under duress for most of the game, uh, there are some throws that he has to hit uh, to extend plays. And, and, you know, that caused him some problems in the first half. But, you know, like I said, they put the, you know, they they ran the ball a little bit more efficiently in the second half, you know, uh, with him leading the way in that regard. And I think that opened up uh, things in the passing game later on. So, I think going forward, that's the uh, key to success for them offensively.
1: Gotcha. Now, what was your take with the officiating?
2: Man, look, there were some blown calls, but as you know, I mean, there's blown calls both ways. Sometimes, you know, you don't you don't remember the calls that are blown early in the game, just the ones that are, you know, in, in crunch time. Hardball had a, a legitimate right, but at the same time, you know, you have 60 minutes to determine, you know, the outcome of a game with how you play it. And let's face it, you know, Michigan had a couple of key turnovers and pivotal moments of the game and, and really, you know, allowed Ohio State to hang in in the game early on, you know, exactly. instead of you know, capitalizing on those opportunities.
1: Yeah, I felt, and I said this before you got on, I was like, you know, the officiating wouldn't have been a difference if you didn't allow the game to get uh, go that far, and so uh, that that's kind of the issue. Absolutely. And so, I mean, until that, it, you know, everybody, you never put the game in anyone else's hand but your own. And if you if you don't do that, then you have to be willing to deal with the consequences. Of uh, whatever transpires after that point, point. and you know that's where you know. It, granted, I do understand, you know, because it's such a big monumental game. But like you said, put the game away, <laughs> put the game away, and there's there's no big deal. So and so, we, as far as dealing with, do you have a problem with a conference champion not being considered for the playoffs? Uh, it depends on what conference you're talking about. <laughs> um, I mean, if,
2: it, if it's uh, yeah. the Pac-12, then you know I don't I don't have an issue with it, especially if Washington ends up winning and and somehow you know they get leapfrog, which I don't believe will happen. But you know, when you consider their overall schedule and the Pac-12 being you know down to a certain extent, um, and and also their non-conference schedule. Uh, which was absolutely dismal in terms of competition. Um, I can can see a reason for, you know, somebody like a Washington not getting in. But, you know, that being said, I believe that if they do knock off Colorado, who's a top 10 team, that they'll they'll, uh, remain at their number four spot or may may even move up to number three since Ohio State is uh, idle.
1: But what about a Big 12 team? I mean, like uh, Oklahoma. I mean, me personally, I don't think, I felt like, okay, Ohio State went in there and beat the brakes off of them. Um, I just don't feel like, I feel like this is a down year for the Big 12. I just don't feel like they are playoff caliber teams.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at the Big 12, you have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Other than that. Who, who can we talk about as a as a you know a formidable opponent opponent week in and week out? You know, TCU took a, a step back this year. Baylor, with all that they went through with Art Browse, I think that has affected them some. Uh, you look yeah. at Texas Tech. I mean, they they have offense, but can't play defense at all. Uh, West Virginia is competitive, you know. So you're looking at Oklahoma. Tech, uh Oklahoma Oklahoma State and West Virginia really carrying the load for that conference. Uh K- uh K- Kansas State took a step back, you know, were mm-hmm. very What do you think about
1: conditions. Colorado? Who? What do you think about Colorado uh being in the top 10? And being considered well, you know what?
2: <clears throat> they have a they have a decent resume with some of the teams that they've beaten. Um, they beat a very good Utah team, but I, I believe that yeah, and that's why I'm looking forward to this game this weekend with uh, with Washington because you know they're they're a very good team, and I, like I said, I believe they may be underrated, um, but but we'll see. You know, the last we saw the the one you know red flag besides you know Washington's conference, you know the teams that they play, but they really got stopped. By a very good USC team, who of course got thumped by Alabama first first game of the season, but that's a totally different team. And and right now, if you ask me, I believe USC is the best team in that conference.
1: Yeah, that's what not. I I, I would have to say I feel that too. Um, But then you know you also have to think about. To me, I'm thinking about. Well, you have USC that's kind of come on later on. but is Clemson really that much better than LSU? What about a Western Michigan? They're undefeated. Do you bring a Matt team in? Team in? What about them? Do uh, why are they not in? You know the top eight.
2: Well, a- exactly, and, and and of course we know that it's politics. You know, this goes back to what I've been saying over the last three, four years. And, you know, you know how I feel about the playoff system. It is not a legitimate playoff system unless you have a representative from each conference in there, and then you can, you know, uh, sprinkle in some of the higher-rated teams that did not uh, win their conference championship. You know, I, yep. me personally, I believe that we need a 16-team playoff. Uh, why so, not? You know what I'm saying? So you, you, have a, SCS, you have the SCF, and they have a season? 32-team playoff.
1: So reduce the season to a nine-game season. Well, I think they have ten games. I mean, why not? No, but I'm saying, I'm saying, if you do a sixteen-team playoff system, then make it nine games for the teams for a regular season. Yeah, instead and, of ten. And, and quite but, honestly,
2: so, but, but, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say. I mean. I know that you know we place a lot of emphasis on non-conference scheduling, and I believe that it's true. But my whole thing is, let's make these conferences, you know, these conference standings mean something at the end of the day. You know what I mean? And you have like conferences like the MAC, the Big West, the Mountain, you know, Mountain West, or you know these these other conferences that need an opportunity to show. so you have a twelve and Western Michigan team that will probably get an invite to either the Sugar Bowl or the Fiesta or some some you know New Year's Day Bowl, but it's not like they're playing one of the big boys, you know, a conference champion from a uh, one of the you know Big Five or whatever.
1: Well, so here's where the issues is always going to lie with them, and it's having the NCAA admit that you know, ball games schools lose money you know, I, the NCAA and the corporate sponsors or the different people make money but everybody else loses money especially on a neutral site so I say you do, I mean that's where like the 10th game is conference championship and stuff like that and so I say you do 8 teams or you do like six, you have six teams, and then the other two out of the eight are those wild card teams. Whether it's you know a third team from a conference, or if it's a MAC conference type team that's just they're undefeated. So I mean, but that's not fair either. You got to go undefeated where other teams have two losses.
2: But yeah, I think I, it you know it defeats the per again. This is, this is all about. You know, free market capitalism to some uh, to a certain degree, <laughs> where these big conferences, you know, you know college football is ran by the Big Ten and the, and the SEC. Uh, let, let's make that pretty much clear. You know, of course, a- pro-
1: ACC doesn't proxy get any love. The What's that? ACC ACC don't get any love. Now they well, they, they have talking, Notre
2: Dame. I'm, <clears throat> I'm just talking about you know the the heads at the table. I believe yeah. that. You know, when the SEC speaks or when the Big Ten speaks, everybody else kind of falls in line with that and and wrote because they're looking out for the best interest for the big conferences anyway. So, yeah, you can include the ACC in there. You know, to a a lesser degree, the Pac 12. The Big 12 is like the stepchild right now. I I don't know what's going to happen with that. But the thing is, man, are you still going to have the Boise states, the Western Michigans, the uh, I don't know the 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 temples or, or the you know the the American uh, Athletic Conference.
1: You know what and I mean? Those, I, I think those, those guys aren't, aren't we, being we go welcomed, into, well,
2: welcome to the table.
1: Yeah, but before we go into break, that's why I think if you do like an eight team or a ten team uh, deal, then you leave those, like two spots available for those kind of wild card, you know, or you know, spots that. You know, whether it's another team from the Big 12 or Big 10, whoever it is at that time, or you have a team like a Western Michigan, you can play some men. But uh, we're going go to go into break and we'll be back and talk some more college football.
3: your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
0: You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show.
1: So along with college football, we got to talk a little bit about the Heisman race. And uh, Re- Reese and I were talking uh, off air, and we're probably at the, we're at the same point. And maybe some of you guys on Facebook or whatever want to chime in, but I really, I'm there with Maurice with this one. I really feel like it's the, uh, it's Lamar Jackson, and that's it. But even with that being said, dealing with the rankings, you know, what, would you still have considered them in the top eight uh, Louisville uh, with Lamar? In the top ten. Uh, but, Reese, what, what, why do you think he stands out above the rest?
2: Well, I, I think that, you know, his, <clears throat> you have to look at his body of work throughout the entire season. I mean, he's, he struggled a bit the last two games, but that by no means erases what he's done the entire season. He's been the most dominant college football player this year. And when you consider, you know, the the stat that there's only been a handful of players that have uh, rushed for 20 touchdowns and passed for t- 20 touchdowns and, and won a Heisman, you know, he fits that he fits that deal. You know, when you think yeah, of like I, I Tim mean, Tebow, uh, Cam Newton, and uh, I forget forget who won it uh, last year. Johnny,
1: was, that, was it you talking about Manziel?
2: Yeah, uh, Johnny Manziel. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I yeah. mean, that's <clears throat> in terms of you know dominating college football. He fits that mold.
1: Yeah, I, and you definitely can see that he carries his team on his shoulders, like you know, he's going to take over and that's going to be it. I just wish that they were a little bit fair with that award and just call it the quarterback award and then the other awards are just secondary. Uh, Because, I mean, for a while, Peppers was considered, you know, in a a Heisman race, I think he definitely squandered uh, anything, especially with his uh, end of the game antics. I think that definitely kind of threw some shade on him anyway, if he was a long shot to begin. But going with you, I think it's Jackson. Now, here comes the thing, you know, and history will make a lot of these guys uh, look at it different, but like Foreman from Texas, well, he's like, man, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm declaring for the draft. Do you think like Deshaun Watkins and uh, general, uh, players like that should be Go and declare. What's your
2: thought on that? Well, <clears throat> I think that uh, if they if they feel like they're ready, if they feel like uh, they don't want to risk the injury, like we saw last year with uh, the young man Notre Dame, yeah, uh, awesome. by all means, by all means, if, if they know that they're a lot to be a, a lottery pick or you know first round pick. And they just want to go ahead and and increase their stock by training specifically for the combine, by all means. And it'll be absolutely asinine and hypocritical for anybody to say anything, you know, against that. These are are young men that are preparing for a job.
1: As much as we know that is hypocritical, there will be those who will still critique them and say, well, you gave up on your team, or you didn't do this with your team. And I think that's, I agree with you, but the pundits or the the scouts and everyone in the NFL are going to ask those questions. Although, as you can see, like going on uh, with the firings of like, uh, with, first of all, like Texas with Charlie Strong, I mean, then you see a guy like Herman, Uh, that says he wasn't going anywhere, I mean, you know, was going with Houston, now he's jumping ship just going down the road, is like why is the expectation for the kids to stay and play and play out the full four years or redshirt a year and sit for four or play for four rather than be wise and do what everybody else is doing and doing what's best for them. But the, that is typically held against the players for doing so.
2: Absolutely, and that's the double standard. I mean, at the end of the day, man, it's all about leverage. You know, you, you see it in the business world and in the professional world. You know, you want to leverage, you know, what you have to get to that next place in, in your career. And you coaches do it all the time. You know, they, they, they pay, you know, they create a resume and they use that resume to, you know, advance in, in, in their career. You know, this, if a young man or a young lady wants to do the same thing with their college, uh, their, their, their respective sport and leverage that and prepare themselves for the next uh, level in their career. So be it.
1: Yeah. and, and- Go on, for example, to LSU. Do you think LSU made the right hire?
2: I think that LSU made the convenient hire. Um, I believe that it was convenient because they knew that Ed Orgeron had a ton of local support. Not only local support, but more importantly, the, the support of his team. I mean, they love him, his character, despite his record in the SEC, you know, at Ole Miss and, and uh, you know, despite USC they combined. can't understand
1: him talk. <laughs> What's that? Despite they can't what, what? understand what he says? Waterboy? Oh, man. yeah, I mean, hey, that's, that's why they love him. He's homegrown. He's Cajun. <laughs> yeah, he's great Cajun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean. Which leads to the, the speculation of Lane Kiffin going there. Do you, I mean, if you're Lane Kiffin, do you jump ship and go with your dog, or you stay there and go get you a couple another national title?
2: Quite honestly, you know, I, I've thought about this for a week, and it all depends on how toxic his relationship with uh, Nick Saban is, because you know, if he's at a point now where you know, he's just, you know, you know, punching in and punching out just because it's his job and he's not loving what he, he does and he's not loving the atmosphere and, and, and coming to work every day because you're dealing with, you know, the ultimate alpha male and, 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 and Nick Saban, then he may want to look to jump ship. But, you know, at so, the same time, there's a, other opportunities open up as well.
1: But and I, so if I'm Lane Kiffin, I'm having my people try to talk to Oregon, even though because I don't think it's the same type of pressure that would be put on him. And you got Phil Knight in your backyard or well, in your office, actually. Uh, but it leads to the other question is Lane Kiffin. You know, I know what I would say I would do if I was Lane Kiffin. But is Lane Kiffin head coaching material?
2: Now that's another question. Me personally, I don't think so. I think he's a very, very good uh, offensive coordinator. I think he's uh he's a he's good at uh, observing and critiquing what he has and and maximizing the the skill level and the potential on, on that team. But this is where we get into you know discussion of you know being a leader of men, and I don't think Lane is that. You know he was. Um, I don't think he was at, at a, with his short stint at uh, Tennessee, and I don't think he was at when he was at uh, USC either.
1: or Oakland. Um, or Oakland, you, you know, absolutely. Yeah, and Lane is not a bad guy, but you know Lane could be hot for possible NFL jobs at the end of the year. Um, so I think that in, in terms of even coordinating at that level, and I think Lane wants to get back to it. If you talk to a lot of coaches, I mean, but then at the same time is like once you're you go from having some type of control of your players to your players making more money than you, that changes and that's where, you know, who you are really comes to rise to the surface, you know. So, I'm interested to see where he goes. I don't I don't see him if I'm him, I'm probably not staying at Alabama. I would do just like uh, Brian Kelly's people are doing. Brian Kelly's people are looking out for other jobs for him. That's another name. If I'm Brian Kelly, I'm like, okay, you know, I, I got the high standards here at Notre Dame. You know, I might be looking to head out west because the Oregon job I see it as being somewhat attractive um, because it's something that draws some of the kids and you don't have the higher, the, the same type of standards, but you got to import pretty much everybody you get in.
2: Going from Chip Kelly to Brian Kelly. <laughs> hey, but
1: as long I, as they I, ain't got the R. Kelly in there, they're all good.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I, I think it'll be an interesting move for him, but, you know, it brings the conversation of, you know, another coach jetting, You know, while controversy strikes, you know, we kind of touched on that last week. But, you know, who who knows? Again, it just goes to show that, you know, coaches can up and leave when the stove gets hot whenever they want to while the kids, you know, virtually get stuck in that situation.
1: Which is interesting. Would you, if you're Chip Kelly, do you go back to Oregon?
2: I think Oregon will welcome welcome him with open arms. You know they'll. I, I believe Oregon will jump out of their socks to offer him a ton of dough to come back, and I then, believe that he'll he, he'll come back and be successful successful immediately.
1: Yeah, because you know his name. I mean, his name going back to college is going to show up. But then you have what? Uh, you'll have Jim Harbaugh's name. Showing up in NFL jobs and things of that nature, and so it's like if I'm Chip, I make the move because they gotta they gotta blow up San Fran. They have to blow up the team and just restart everything, you know, from the top up down. You know, everything trickling down because they're not. It's not like they're bringing in the players. I mean, who's the last uh, Hyde? was their last solid kind of rookie they come in and play, but they're not really hitting it big in free agency. They're not even keeping free agents. You know, so if I'm Chip Kelly, I'm going to Oregon, and then you can be that dictator or that tyrant that you may be considered.
2: Yeah, I mean the situation in San Francisco is so toxic, but you know, we we also have to realize a couple of players retired on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that hurt them more than we, you know, give credit for. You know what I'm saying? Offensively, yeah, it's a struggle, but defensively they can't contain anybody. So, Yeah,
1: and you know. I think the retirement had a lot to do with the leadership too. But uh, we'll talk a little bit further uh, about the NFL when we get back from break.
3: seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter.
0: Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1 888 346 9144. 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to JD Harris at high intensity Now, let's get back to the show.
1: So, we had the big firings uh, in college that we talked about uh, with Charlie Strong, and I hope that. All those guys, him and his staff, know Vance Bedford personally, uh, and Vance were praying for the loss of your uh, in-laws. But uh, I would love to see him get picked up fast. Um, Before we go into the pro coaches, where could you see Charlie Strong going? Um, Quite honestly, I think
2: that he could probably end up back uh, with a mid-major you know, to, you know, just begin to teach and and build that resume again. Uh, The the Texas situation was a toxic situation to begin with, and I I don't think, uh, you know, schools are going to badger him or or turn away from him because of that. I mean, like like I said last week, it was a no-win situation going in with uh, Boosters pretty much running that program down there. But he'll get a shot. I think a mid-major. Uh, perhaps I can see him like, going to Houston. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, I thought about that immediately after uh, Herman, you know, was named the coach. I was like, well, why don't you just trickle on down to Houston? Because quite honestly, Charlie Strong is a great coach. You know, he, yeah, he, well, he well he Charlie Strong's a, Strong is a hell, hell of a recruiter, too. And that's the key. Exactly. Exactly, and what better way to stick your nose into you know the Texas—I mean, stick your thumb into the Texas Longhorns' eye than to dominate the recruiting ground in Houston and And surround here.
1: And here's the thing—that will happen too. Texas will be paying part of his salary, so (laughs) and if I'm Houston, I'm like, I still get a top-tier coach. That has already recruited this area. That is moving literally down the road, for lack of better terms, and now we have, to your point, some porking of the, poking of the fork within our state.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And and let's face it, you know, everybody thinks that you know uh, Herman is going to come to Austin and turn things around immediately. Man, they don't—they don't have playmakers there. They are deficient in, in guys that can win games down the stretch. You're going to have the same collective of guys. So, like you said, if you keep if Charlie Strong stays in, in state, you still got to recruit against the likes of a Houston, a Texas A&M, a Baylor, a TCU. You know, SMU is trying to come back, make a comeback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas Tech, uh, Kingsbury is still out there, you know. so And, and it's a fun system to, to play in, even though they have no defense whatsoever.
1: So and, you know, Texas a like, and um, that job might be open.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's another job that, that could possibly be open. But I, I don't think that they would he could go look at the, Charlie now, Strong. you he would
1: go back to Houston.
2: Yeah, you know, well, that's true. That's true. You know, he he uh, came from Houston. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it, it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens after the, uh, the bowl games or, or as we get closer to the bowl games and see what Absolutely. opens up. But I, I, Charlie will be coaching somewhere soon.
1: Yeah, so I, I lied to you. We're going to go into the hot seats uh, because of time. So... You have, at one time in the NFC North, you had at the beginning of the season, they were saying that Detroit, Jim Caldwell was on the hot seat. Now he's probably going to win the Div- <laughs> the NFC North, but now you got Green Bay, grumblings there. You know, there's rumors of Chicago, but I think I still think Chicago is too soon. Are there some other teams that you know? Cincinnati. I mean, is this the time where they finally say the Brown family say, you know what, we just got to move on? Where are some other uh, hot seat teams? Jeff Fisher, Los Angeles.
2: Yeah, I think Jeff Fisher is, is, is definitely one, especially with the the uh, what what has transpired over the last couple of days in the news with uh, Eric Dickerson. And that holds, even oh, yeah. though I, I I don't think you know we have the whole story with that. I, I think that uh, I heard this morning uh, Chris Carter had called in to uh, Mike and Mike or or texted and saying yeah, that know, each, yeah each Hall of Fame player gets four ticket you know uh, sideline ticket or passes or whatever. So is Eric Dickerson telling the whole truth? But nonetheless, I think Jeff Fisher's job is is you know, in jeopardy, Marvin Lewis, you know, he has to go. It's been past time for Marvin Lewis to be gone. I don't care how great of a guy he is and the connections that he has with the organization. He has to go.
1: Um, What about Buffalo? Is Buffalo safe now?
2: uh, Rex? I I don't know, man. (laughs) I, I, I really don't know. Rex might have to go too, you know. But I think they'll they'll hold hold on to him for almost. You know, it's, the problem is, man, it's the division that he's in. You're never gonna win that division as long as you know Belichick is is uh,
1: coaching. Yeah, you're not gonna win that division. So yeah, um, I mean, and they stole a game from him, so you know you have that deal. But they're already trying to come at my boy. Uh, At the Jets, Todd Bowles, and I'm like, yeah, he hasn't had enough time, two years. But, you know, now everybody wants everything fast. But you look at Mm -hmm. uh, the AFC North, and, you know, one time you never hear people trying to grumble at Mike T, and they shouldn't grumble at Mike T because Mike T is is a great coach. But you look at the entire, you got three teams in the AFC North that they're talking about trying to replace.
2: Yep. Yep, to the, okay. the talk about Mike Tomlin being you know let go or or being on the high seat is absolutely ludicrous. You know this dude yep. has has proven over you know a period of time. They, you know they they won a Super Bowl not too long ago. You know what I'm saying? That, that that's just nonsense. You know, for people to be so, you, talking about him being on the high seat.
1: So we got a, like uh, about thirty seconds left. What is your guess of how many coaches fall uh, get get the axe this year? Real fast. I'm gonna Coach. say. I, I'm gonna say three. I'm gonna say four, and we're gonna see what happens. You don't want any man to lose their job, but that's the nature of the beast, and the other nature of the beast: all good things must come to an end. So, Reese, brother, I appreciate you, and listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. Until next week, we are out of here. Peace.
0: All right, we're just about out of here. But make sure you come on back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. East, 3 p.m. West for another edition of The Man Cave with J.D. Harris and friends on the Voice America Sports Channel. See you soon.